You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Gang's all here, ready to go. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Best and worst of the weekend, what you saw that you liked. You didn't like over the weekend, your opportunity to be part of the program. Email, tweet, you can dial us up all the above. Jay Billis, the former Dookie, he'll join us coming up in about 15 minutes. It was going great. Everything was great. The big buildup. You know, it's like um, the featured act at Coachella, and then all of a sudden it rains during the performance there. It's like, uh, that put a damper on things. All-day event, in fact, uh, started building up the week before. Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. I don't think anybody factored in that North Carolina needing to win, and uh, they didn't get the script. It's all of a sudden they're like, uh, hey, guy, what are you guys doing? This is Coach K's last game. You're ruining it. Yep. And we loved it. So we'll talk to Billis about that coming up. Uh, Combine wrapping up. Reports on Aaron Rodgers' options right now. I guess he's torn. That's the official word. He's torn between staying in Green Bay and going someplace else. If he says he doesn't want to stay in Green Bay, that doesn't necessarily mean he gets to pick where he wants to go. And I think people think, well, Aaron's a free agent. He can just say, well, I'm going to Green Bay or I'm going to Denver. It's not that easy. You have to trade for him. You have to acquire him. We'll have more on that coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning. Peacock, our streaming partner, and also our radio affiliates around the country, including Fox Sports Radio lineup, iHeartRadio, and the other great cities that carry this program every single day. At age 37, LeBron is still considered an elite basketball player. And at his age... More susceptible to injuries. We're starting to see that this year. He's almost looking his age, but his impact on the game is still the same. And on Saturday, LeBron went out and scored 56, and the Lakers went over the Warriors. More importantly, the win snaps a four-game losing streak for the Lakers. L.A. can use any wins they can get right now. The team is still seven games under 500. But the performance reminds you of just how special LeBron is. He's averaging over 29 points per game. That puts him right behind Joel Embiid for the NBA scoring title. And LeBron's ridiculous night made him just the fourth player ever to score at least 50 points past the age of 37. LeBron's greatness is nothing new. He's been doing this for almost 20 years now. That's just not normal. So we might be ridiculing the Lakers and what they've done during the regular season, but it can get lost while we should be watching what LeBron is doing. Because the last time he averaged this number of points, he was back in his 20s. If he continues to age like this, we may actually have a little more time to enjoy him. And then you start looking at these numbers of players who have scored that many points at the age of 37 or older. Kobe ruined it for everybody because he put up 60 in his last game. Um That's uh, 1,346 games. LeBron has played in 1,356 games when he scored his 56th point last uh, Saturday night. But these are regular season games. If I tack on about 280 more playoff games, (laughs) so just let that sink in. That's that's three and a half seasons of basketball, high-end basketball, where he's playing 40 minutes a game. Like this... This is such an anomaly. It, you know, I got to see Kareem at the latter part of his career, Carl Malone at the latter part of his career. 
And while they were still formidable presence there, what LeBron is doing, he may lead the league in scoring at the age of 37. This is incredible what he's been able to do. On that list of players who scored over 50 at the age of 37, you have Kobe, you have LeBron, Jamal Crawford sneaks in there. LeBron again, Kareem, Dirk Nowitzki, Carl Malone, LeBron again, LeBron again, and our good buddy Reggie Miller. Well, I think when you factor in the playoff games, that's what makes this even more incredible because And LeBron is really sensitive about being labeled a scorer. And he said this before, or not being labeled a scorer. Because I never looked at him as a great shooter. He's a scorer. But when he first came into the league, and, you know, the book on LeBron was, you can give him the outside shot. Don't let him, you know, run downhill, dribble downhill, because he's going to score on you. Uh, But he's going to always set up his teammates. And watching him once in high school where it was Gulliver and the Lilliputians. So his team, it was him and then he had a bunch of guys who looked like they're about 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, LeBron would defer to them. He would find the open man. I always found that remarkable because he could have scored 50 points every single night, maybe even more. But he got everybody involved and came in with that mindset of getting everybody involved. When Michael Jordan came into the league, Mike was about being a highlight film. Bulls weren't very good, and he was going to score. And then eventually, he kind of had a coming-to-Jesus meeting with the front office, Doug Collins, his head coach. Is this what you want to be? And he wanted to be a winner. He wanted to be great. LeBron came in, and nobody's lived up to the hype more than LeBron has. Now, some of that's self-hype, but still, what he's doing, how he's doing it, and with a depleted roster, it's uh, it's remarkable stuff. Yes, Paul. I was just thinking about this. Wouldn't not qualifying LeBron as one of the great scorers of all time actually be a compliment? Like the rest of his game is so good, passing, rebounding, defense, that you wouldn't pigeonhole him to score. You're you're basically by omission, you're complimenting him. Like he's not at all uh, one thing. Here's LeBron after scoring fifty six points. Our guys were following me off the floor tonight and going into the locker room and asked me, how does it feel to score 56? I said, right now, I don't give a damn about the 56. I'm just happy we got a win. Now, I do think he cares about it. I do think he really cares about getting Carl Malone. He's a little, uh, little over 200 points behind Carl Malone. I don't know if NBA players would really say, how's it, how's it feel to get 56? Maybe they did. But that feels like uh, maybe a little writer's embellishment there on LeBron's part. What was that like, yeah, LeBron? Yeah. I'm going to guess most of these guys, if you're in the NBA, you probably had nights in high school maybe that you put up a lot of points. But I don't know if somebody went, wow, what's it like to get 56? I mean, Springboro knows. Yeah, yeah Springboro, Clinton, Massey, they know. They got torched. Yeah, they did. They paid the price. Uh, shooter, can't leave, leave him open. Shooter. <laughs> <laughs> But I think this is really important to LeBron because the season has been a roller coaster ride here. Maybe you're a play-in game. Maybe you get bounced by the Phoenix Suns early. But I think this is really important to LeBron. Passing Carl Malone, and then you got Kareem next season. Yeah, Seaton. It's sort of like Paul was just saying, right? That we've always described Carmelo Anthony as a great scorer. 
Yeah. He's not a great basketball player, but oh, he's a great scorer. Yes. Great. Why is LeBron so focused on lumping himself into what is used kind of as a slight for other people? Like LeBron fights so many battles, and sometimes they're battles that he creates. And you're going, why do you worry about this? And maybe this is that motivation stuff. I'm going to prove you guys. I've never looked at LeBron and said he's not a scorer. I, I think he's the greatest all-around player who's ever played the game. Now, is that sort of dodging? Is he better than Jordan? It's different. You know? It's like he's approaching the Jerry Rice kind of conundrum. Rice, what he did and how he did it and his numbers compared to everybody else who's caught a football in the NFL, it's just silly. But we don't consider Jerry Rice the best football player. We consider Tom Brady the best football player. LeBron, to me, will be the most decorated as far as all around with all-time records. Bill Russell's, you know, the all-time decorated athlete with 11 titles. But I I have that. You know, I have that in place, understand it. Um, and, And we get into these arguments where you pick your side, I pick my side. I'm fortunate to have seen both of them play in big games, win championships. LeBron is different. LeBron is is a hybrid and and part of his game is you know partially due to Michael Jordan of of wanting to go out there and be have that killer instinct and we did doubt that killer instinct for quite some time with LeBron LeBron had this to say on his uh, show the shop about being labeled a score the crazy thing is I'm not I'm not like a, a natural score I like I loved like getting my guys involved. I've always been that way. I've always liked the, the, the point of seeing my teammate succeed off my pass or ha- having like, I've always been that type of guy. And to sit at the top of the food chain and the most points scored in, in the history of the game is like, it's weird to me. Like they don't never, they don't call, they don't ever call me. They don't never call me. When they talk about the, the best scores of all time, they never mention my name. Did that piss you off? Yeah, it pissed me off. <laughs> Maybe this is just motivation because you I would view it as a compliment. You're more than just that. You know, Kareem was more than just that, but we did focus on that. Carl Malone was a great scorer. Now, you could say he was probably all NBA defense a few times as well and a good rebounder. But LeBron is different. You're not you're not a scorer. You're just an unbelievable player and maybe the greatest player who's ever played. But he gets caught up sometimes in his own little world, in his own little wars and battles. And I don't know, it just it, it does a disservice to what he's accomplished. And I'm a big LeBron proponent, as you know, listening to this program. But I just think he, he gets involved in everything. You don't have to get involved in everything or say he could just say, you know what? I hope they view me as a great all-around player because that's who I am. That's when I when I came into the league, that's what I wanted to be. And when I leave, that's what I want them to remember. That guy cared about winning, making his teammates better, and if you need baskets, he could get baskets as well as anybody who's ever played. But he's not a shooter. And I don't look at him as a scorer. I just look at him as maybe the greatest player who ever played. I'd rather have that than somebody going, man, you're one of the great scorers of all. If you said, you know, LeBron, one of the great scorers of all time, he'd probably go, well, what about my all-around game? Like, you can't win in a situation like this. Yeah, Paul. More importantly, the Lakers won one in a row. Yeah. 
Don't want to bury the lead no, on that. Big win. Uh, this program brought to you by Discover. Real credit card questions require real people. Somebody who understands your issues works hard to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. I watched uh, the Celtics against the Nets. Jason Tatum, and I'm never surprised anymore, and maybe that's a compliment to Jason Tatum, where he puts up a big game. And he put up a big game against the Nets. And you start to wonder, like, I just don't know what the Celtics are. Uh, They play good defense. But, you know, you're 12 games over 500. I just don't know. Are they a spoiler this year? Because we're not factoring them in as we are the 76ers, uh, the Miami Heat, maybe even the Chicago Bulls. But they're a tricky matchup come playoff time. Because Jalen Brown... Like, they have weapons to be able to make it tricky, and they play pretty good defense. But I, I watch him play, and he can be effortless in, in putting up 54 points. Pretty impressive there. All right, uh, we'll get the phone calls coming up. Seton has the responsibility, the honor of our uh, poll question today. So I thought we could start with something off of uh, Coach K's final game mm. at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Mm-hmm. Coach K's final game at Cameron was exciting, disappointing, a little awkward. <laughs> it was awkward. It just was. You kept watching. And you're going, North Carolina, come on. The script says, make it close. Duke wins dramatic fashion. And then we all celebrate. The one thing I absolutely <laughs> did not see coming after the game was Coach K having to apologize. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I did not see that. And he was scolding the crowd. Like, this is how you're going out, yeah. dude? Stop cheering. Like, okay. like, like imagine you're showing up. It's going to be, oh, this is going to be so great. You know, no, it wasn't so great. Hey, be quiet. Hey, be quiet. It was unacceptable what happened just now today. <laughs> it just felt like it was supposed to go differently. Oh, my goodness. All right. We'll talk to Jay Billis. Jay was there. Uh, anything else that we uh, need that we're noodling Today. We got a couple other poll questions that we're noodling. Okay. Uh, this one's from Paulie. Whose career would you want? Coach K, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban. Oh, my God. Of uh, the last generation-ish, that's, those are kind of, to me, the big four, I think, most successful. Um, Maybe I'm leaving someone out. Belichick, Saban, Phil Jackson, Coach K. I, I guess my question is, in 50 years, whose name will still be out there some, in, when we talk about sports history? And that's kind of how you pick it, I would guess. Well, I don't, I don't know how many titles Saban's going to put up. I, I would probably say Belichick. But I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. Yes, yeah, it's kind of interesting about these names too. Is that because some of them are there's sort of question marks about well, yeah, were they really that great? Like yeah. Phil Jackson had Michael and Kobe. Of course, he was great. Yeah. Right. Um, Bill Belichick is still fighting the Well, yeah, Tom Brady. Of course he was great. Um, well, Saban's probably had more NFL players than any college coach. But it feels like he made them rather than they made him. Maybe that's not fair, but it's like uh, nobody questions Coach K and how great he was considered all of the talent he had running through. Man, there. you go back and, and it, there's a couple of things that change the whole dynamic of Coach K. And I'll talk about it. There were a couple of recruits that he got. And if he didn't get them, I wonder if we would be here today talking about Coach K. 
All right, 17 after the hour, phone calls coming up. Settle on a poll question, and we'll have a little information uh, on Aaron Rodgers' next destination. Should he stay? Should he go? And apparently some sports media news coming up after the break. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. And now a message from Discover about real rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something you actually want, something you can actually use, something like Cashback Match. Discover matches all the cashback that you've earned at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, because when it comes to rewards, you can't go wrong with cashback. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Discover.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, we'll settle on a poll question today. Phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Operator, Tyler standing by. Marvin had a rough Friday. I don't know if it uh, bled over to the weekend when we had the uh, hand measurement. And, of course, uh, Marvin finished last out of everybody. Marv, how was the weekend? Anybody bring this up to you? My wife did. Okay. She was like, why are your hands smaller than everybody else's in the studio? Hmm. And Do you think your wife thought your hands were big, and then all of a sudden when you got compared to uh, – Seton has bigger hands than you do. No, I don't think that's ever come up really. Mm, okay. Well, sorry about that. Everything okay at home? Yeah, everything's all right so far at home. Okay. But when we, the next argument, that's why your hands are small. <laughs> Damn small hands. Yeah, we're working on a T-shirt. <laughs> we're working on a T-shirt, of course, as you've come to expect. All right, before I get to the popular Jay Billis, uh, Paulie, what's the sports media news? Okay, we're going to play a little game here. This is from Peter King of NBC Sports. Okay. After being spurned by Troy Aikman, Sean McVay, and John Lynch, Amazon, for their Thursday night package of NFL games, has hired Blank to be their game analyst. Has hired Blank to be their game analyst. Who would like to go first? Well, I'll go first and last. It's Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit's correct, Dan. Yeah. Now, according to Peter King and others, that does not mean that Kirk Herbstreit is leaving the mothership. He could still continue to do his college football duties there. Hmm. No word on that yet. And then people, you know, started to critique this, like, well, he hasn't done NFL games and he never played in the NFL. Well, he did great when he filled in with Fowler. Plus, the other thing is he knows these players as college players. So he's got history there. I don't have any problem with this. We get so caught up in this. He never played. Um, Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst and uh, popular analyst at that, joining us on the program. Uh, emotional weekend there. What did you expect was going to happen uh, with the final game there with Coach K at Cameron? I didn't know. Uh, as you said, there was an emotional element to it that none of us could predict, you know, how we'd feel. And even though we knew this was coming uh, since last spring, uh, it, the finality of it and the fact that there was so much, it was like a royal wedding in a way. I mean, there was so much pomp and circumstance around it, the, the media coverage. I mean, the, the, the media camped out there was, uh, was incredible. Uh, so it was kind of an odd feeling. And then having all the former players down there before the game, uh, one, it was really cool to see everybody, but um, it, it was just, it was so different than anything 
uh, I've ever been through before. Uh, but it was, it was, there were parts of it that were incredibly cool. You know, you just wonder, is it going to impact the game? And I don't know, honestly, I don't know whether it did or didn't. I mean, before that, before the game, everybody talked about the emotion is going to be this great weight on the players and all that. Uh, but I think I had said, if Duke wins, everybody's going to say they rode the wave of emotion to a victory. If they lose, they're going to say it was a huge distraction and a reason they lost. All that stuff's just a sort of an excuse or rationalization. Um, it, it may have been a factor, but at the end of the day, you have to play. And, and Carolina was just better. If I would have said to you in 1985, we're going to get to this point with Coach K where we might be celebrating him as the greatest college basketball coach of all time, what would you have thought? I mean, I wouldn't have disputed it, but it, it's certainly hard to imagine that anyone could stick around somewhere 40 plus years and have this kind of success. I mean, when my my class, which included Johnny Dawkins, Mark Allery, David Henderson, and Tommy Amaker was the next year, when that group left, um, there was no, no guarantee they'd ever have a team that good. I mean, we won 37 games that last year we were there, and that was a record. Uh, an all-time record and uh, what it took till 2012 till Kentucky won 38 to beat that. Uh, So, and, and coach K had two or three 37 win teams after that and final fours and national championships. I mean, a coach makes one final four, it's a career maker and he's made 12 and has a chance for another one this year. That, that, that just, you know, and that, that's where when I was always really sensitive growing up in Los Angeles to the John Wooden discussion of the greatest of all time, that, people would try to take Wooden down a peg by saying, well, they played in the West and it was easy to get through the West. And uh, he had Alcindor and Walton. Well, that was true. I mean, he won five titles with Alcindor and Walton. He won five without him. And, uh, <laughs> but, but Coach K did it at, a, at the highest level for longer. Like Wooden won 10 in 12 years, which will never happen again. It, 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 to say it's extraordinary is an understatement. But the, the argument for Coach K against Wooden is that he did it for 40 years, you know, as number one and all these different things, did it in the television and Internet uh, era when there were so many changes going on. Uh, it's really, really remarkable. I'm not sure we'll ever see his like again in that regard. I was wondering about this. You go back to Johnny Dawkins, which to me was sort of that transformational recruit that Coach K got. And then he convinced Leitner or Leitner's mom to not go to North Carolina and go to Duke. Grant Hill convincing him and his father not to go to North. I mean, North Carolina was going to get Leitner and Hill. And, you know, so if you look at those three, would you, is that correct though, that that was sort of what was happening at the time that Johnny, I think was a a big difference maker coming in. And then the fact that he talked Leitner and uh, Grant Hill out of going to North Carolina. Yeah, that was a, a the big turning point. Johnny Dawkins is the most important player to ever play at Duke. It's certainly under Coach K. That that, but for Johnny Dawkins, I'm not sure this honestly this happens. Yeah. Maybe it does, but I'm I'm not sure it does. Uh, the the key guy though before Leitner and and Hill in the Duke versus North Carolina recruiting battle was Danny Ferry. Uh, Danny Ferry was uh, a high school senior in 1985, and Carolina was all over him. And back then, when Carolina recruited you, you went. And Duke got Ferry as the number one number one player in the country. And that was when the tide started to shift and it became a fair fight in recruiting. And, and Duke could get a player that Carolina wanted. Uh, so that was the one. And Ferry, you know, Ferry went to three Final Fours. 
uh, during his period there and was national player of the year and one of the best college players, frankly, I ever saw. Um, so that was the guy that I think greased the skids for, you know, the Duke versus Carolina recruiting battles. And, and the truth is, Dan, we, uh, Duke and North Carolina recruited the same guys and still do. And, uh, and I always thought it was funny, like, uh, Duke recruited, I was a grad assistant when Duke was recruiting the heck out of Eric Montross. And he chose Carolina and Carolina recruited the heck out of Leitner and, and Hurley and all that. And Carolina fans hated Leitner and Hurley. And Duke fans hated Montross, who may be the <laughs> nicest person that's ever lived. And you're going, do you guys realize if they'd made a different decision, you would have put statues up of the, uh, the guys you claim you hate on both sides? It, it just they, both both schools recruit unbelievable guys. And there's not a better person on the planet than Hubert Davis. Um, and if he had gone to Duke, uh, he'd be a, a Duke icon and they'd, they'd, they'd tout him. But, uh, you know, he went to Carolina, so they don't they don't care for him. It's just that that's part of the rivalry, I guess. But I look back on Leitner and I know Leitner was so important to the program. But did he also create sort of that us against the rest of the world mentality by his style of play, his personality? Yeah, that that probably started with Ferry a little bit. And Ferry and Quinn Snyder kind of brought uh, Leitner up, and they were pretty hard on him uh, when he was a freshman. And uh, and Leitner had unbelievably tough skin. He, he's probably, you know, in addition to being arguably the best player ever at Duke, he was the best competitor that's ever played there. Uh, that dude was unbelievable. And I don't remember him, Dan, ever getting outplayed whether it was Shaquille O'Neal or whomever. Uh, O'Neal may have been a better player, but he did not play Leitner. I don't remember anybody ever doing that. And Leitner, like I used to play tennis with Leitner and, you know, he played ping pong and, you know, ridiculously competitive in those things. And people don't believe this, but it's true. Leitner at 6'10", 6'11", whatever he was, could get in a handstand and walk on his hands from one baseline to the other. Uh, he, he was an extraordinary athlete, not in the run and jump sense. He was a good athlete, but but an extraordinary athlete in the things that he could, the, the different things he was capable of doing. Like when you and I were kids, athlete meant could do a lot, could play a lot of different sports and do a lot of different things. Now it means run and jump. Uh, but but Leitner was an extraordinary athlete in that way. He's Jay Billis, ESPN College basketball analyst. Did it feel like the end of an era on Saturday? Yeah, not just yeah. Coach K, but I'm talking about college basketball. Yeah, uh, but but we've I've felt that before. You know, when Bob Knight uh, left uh, Indiana, or when Dean Smith retired, or when I was a kid when Wooden retired at the Final Four in 1975, uh, you, you felt like, oh boy, it's never going to be the same, and, and it is never going to be the same. But but in one part, there's there's sadness because um, he's leaving. But on the other part, it, it, it's exciting. It's exciting for the next chapter for him and his family, but it's also exciting for the game too because there are other people that are going to step in. Uh, so I'm not worried about the game, uh, just like I wasn't worried about it when one and done or worried about it when we the three-point line came in or other changes. Um, the, game will be, the game will be just fine. But, uh, but he let, Bob Knight said this about Henry Iba, well, I think when he went into the Hall of Fame, of all the shadows cast in the game, his is the longest. Mm. And I kind of feel that way about Coach K, that, that his, the shadow he, he's cast in this game is the longest there's ever been. There have been some pretty long ones with Dean Smith and Bob Knight and Pete Newell, you name it, all the great coaches. And the current guys now, like with, 
you know, Bayheim and, and Izzo and Calipari and all these guys, we've had some iconic coaches, but one thing that is changing is, is, you know, now that the, the game, it's been professional for a long time, but now that it's really professional with the players able to, to monetize their, their talent and the transfer portal, you know, now the coaches are not uh, supreme like they were in the past. They, they have to change the way they do business. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see a little bit of change in that. We may not have the super powerful kind of royalty type coaches like we've had. Uh, it, it may become a little more professional in that regard, too. Great to talk to you again, Jay. We'll uh, talk to you tournament time. Thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. That's Jay Billis, ESPN College basketball analyst. We'll get some phone calls. We got our play of the day coming up. Got another stat of the day for you. And as I mentioned, Grant Hill and, and Kristen Leitner had made it. They, they had a decision to make, and they made the decision that they were going to go to uh, North Carolina. And I think Grant Hill, father, said, Calvin Hill played uh, football in the NFL with the Cowboys, said, Let's visit Duke. And it felt like they had already made up their mind. And Leitner had already made up his mind with North Carolina. And you just, I don't know. I'd love to have known how Coach K closed them. Because without those two, we're not talking about Coach K this way. And Johnny Dawkins, you know, what, what uh, Jay had to say, you were getting a, a, a city kid from D.C., I believe, with Johnny, an African-American going to Duke, which was considered a, a rich kid's school. And, and that just changed everything. Uh, and then Tommy Amaker came in, African-American. Uh, it, and, it, and it felt like it was less of the all-white team at Duke. But those were really important recruits. Then you got Grant Hill. Uh, and I always think back, and, and Grant's such a, a wonderful person. I mean, Michigan wanted – Georgetown wanted him. Everybody wanted Grant Hill. And I can't help but wonder what Grant would have been like. I think Grant Hill would have been one of the top ten players of all time if he had been healthy, stayed healthy. I think he was that that great all around. Uh, but he had all, all those surgeries, foot, leg surgeries, never able to reach uh, what we thought his potential was. Yeah, Paul. Dan, as an expert in all things peaking, it doesn't feel like 1990, 91, 92, when Duke was in the Final Four every year. They were household names, and they were, you know, they beat the Running Rebels, and then they got, you know, they, they lost the Running Rebels, and they beat them the next year. Um, and then the game against Michigan, that felt like the, the maximum, highest level college basketball in America, and it kind of cooled off slowly after that. Well, how many college teams have been a cultural brand? Duke has been, obviously. Georgetown was. Fab Five was. UNLV was. I'll go back to UCLA. They were a cultural brand before we knew what that was with Coach Wooden. Um, even North Carolina, you know, Michael wasn't the best player on, on that, that team. You know, James Worthy was considered the better player at the time. I think he was player of the year. Uh, Dean Smith, you know, Bob Knight. That, that, was, uh, that was a cultural brand, Indiana basketball with Bob Knight. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to, be, to have been treated to this, to see this, to cover this. And it, it, it was sad, you know, knowing that this is it for Coach K. Um, and you're going to have Calipari have his moment and Tom Izzo have his moment, Jim Beheim, but it's different. It's different with Coach K, with what he's done, what he's meant, and survived. 
because he was sort of average. Those first, what, seven, eight years at Duke, he was average. You don't last that long. You can't be average like that anymore. And they were patient with him. He got recruits. He got Danny Ferry. And after that, you know, he started just kind of filling in whatever needs he needed on his team. Yeah, Paul. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski's first year at Duke was 80-81, 17-13. But the next two seasons, 10-17, Yeah, you don't survive. Then he won 24 games and it was on. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Got our play of the day coming up. Your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. We're back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live wherever Get your podcast from. Oh my God! The play, the play, is called play. of the day. Left side, got it. Play it and play it. This is the play of the day. Check this out. In the air and short. Rebound, Horn. Horn down court, dribbling at half court. A half court buzzer shot. Oh! He made it. He made it. He made it. Horn hit a half court shot at the buzzer, and Tulsa won the game. 73 to 72. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes. That's courtesy of Big Country 99.5 FM. Play of the day. It's buzzer beater season. Play of the day brought to you by M Drive Start, convenient protein powder for driven guys. It gives you the energy and nutrition to keep up with your busy day. Find it at mdrivedan.com. Don't let age beat you. Get M Drive Dan. Our, uh, Stats of the day brought to you by the great folks at Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Tatum had 54 yesterday against the Nets. He has four career games of at least 50 points. That ties him with Larry Bird for most all-time by a Celtic. All the other Celtics, all-time, have combined for just five games of 50 or more points. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. All righty. I don't put too much stock in 40-yard dash times. If you've listened to the program, you know that I think that it's a meaningless stat. Because it feels like we have more guys running faster than ever before. Well, that just means everybody else is faster. When you think about it, Jordan Davis, who weighs 360 pounds, he's 6'6", 350 or 360. Uh, he ran, I think, a 4'8", 486, something like that, at that size. And he's, he's an interior defensive lineman. Now, you would think that would be enough to put him in the top 10. And from what I'm reading, he's probably a little bit later in the first round of the draft. And I'm thinking, if I got a guy that big 
at that position, who can run that fast, come on down. And he's 6'6", so if he can't get to the quarterback, he gets those hands up. Aaron Donald is six feet tall. Now, Jordan Davis is 6'6". Put him at nose tackle, let him go. Feels like that's one of those value picks. I told you Sauce Gardner was going to get a lot of uh, love here, (laughs) a lot of attention. Cincinnati Bearcat defensive back. Didn't allow a touchdown in his career, by the way. Sauce Gardner. He might might be a top eight pick. I said he'd be a top ten. Look at you. I know. He might be a top eight pick. Maybe he plays for the Giants. Yes, Paul. Jordan Davis of Georgia. Again, he uh, ran a 4.78 40-meter dash. That's the best ever by anyone over 300 pounds in combine history, and he's 42 pounds past 300 pounds. He's 342. Uh, He also had a 32-inch vertical, which was uh, the best by anyone over, I think, 300 pounds. I still, I know it's so corny, and and it gets no attention, the three-cone drill. There's certain positions where that's so important. Wide receivers, defensive backs, I, even linemen, I want to see how quick your feet are. And we get caught up in that 40-yard. You don't. Jordan Davis is not going to run 40 yards in one play. Straight ahead. Just not going to happen. Not if things are going right. <laughs> no. This, this, if he's chasing somebody down the field. Things are going horribly wrong, yes. and maybe. but Chances are he's going to be running 7 yards, 10 yards every play. That's about it. That's where I want to know, can you get off the line of scrimmage? How quick are you off the line of scrimmage? Not how fast are you. There's a lot of guys with top-end speed. Baylor has a defensive back. He ran, I think, the fastest or second-fastest 40-yard dash ever. He's not even the best defensive back on his own team. But he can run fast. I don't, like... What do you do with your speed? That's what I want to know. Best and worst of the weekend. Andrew in Washington leads us off again. Hi, Andrew. Good morning, guys. Good Monday morning. Um, five, six, and a larger than T-hand, eight and five eighths. Okay. I think everybody's All got right. bigger hands than Marvin does. But uh, if you measure your hands, then we'll trust you that you're doing it and being legitimate here. Thumb to pinky, I read. So I did thumb to pinky. Yeah. Um, worst of the weekend, of course, Duke getting outscored by 15 points in the second half and losing Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor to UNC, nonetheless. Best of the weekend, LeBron James allowing Laker fans to say, so you say there's a chance by scoring 56 in a win against the Warriors. And I was going to use Jamal Crawford's name in a trivia, but just real quick, just a quick fact of the day for LeBron James is he is the only player in NBA history to have a 50-point game before turning 21 and after turning 35. So, hey, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew's always bringing some stuff. Sounds like he's right, too. Yeah. We're just going to believe him. (laughs) Oh, we don't care. We don't check this stuff. We're not doing any research. (laughs) Uh, Brad in North Carolina. Hi, Brad. Welcome back. Hey, BP. Um, obviously, the best of the weekend was the uh, what's being called here in the local media what could be the most historic win in the regular season in college basketball history. Was really proud of Hubert having the guys ready. The moment wasn't too big for them, and it appeared it was for Duke. Um, the worst of the weekend, I want to preface by saying I grew up idolizing Coach Smith and despising Coach K. And 
yeah, the contrast there, Coach Smith never uttered a four-letter word in his life, whereas Coach K, I learned how to use the F-bomb by watching him on TV. But <laughs> there became a healthy respect between the programs through the year, so it was really disappointing for uh, me to see Chris Carrowell refuse to shake hands with you today this after the game. I just thought it cheapened the whole moment. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, Hubert Davis is like, I don't even know this assistant coach at Duke. And I didn't play in the game, so what's he have against me? Did you read a backstory on this, Paulie? Um, or did anybody have a backstory on what? Yeah, Seaton. There's a. I think that Hubert Davis came out pregame and went over to to Coach K and shook his hand, but sn- I guess snubbed the assistant coaches. Um, and um, so it wasn't a snub; it was a resnub. In his mind, he was resnubbing someone. He resnubbed someone else, right? But on TV, it, it appeared to be a, a pre-snub. Plus, North Carolina didn't have a, a kind of a rollout presentation. All these other teams had a presentation, I think, for Coach K to say goodbye, and I don't think North Carolina did. They gave him an L. Yes. they gave him yes. a wow. big old L. <laughs> Too soon. No offense. Too soon. He's gonna be fine, Coach K. There is an L in Shashevsky. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of letters in there. Uh, Nick in D.C. Hi, Nick. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Dan. First time, long time. 5'8", 195. Um, I've got two things. Paulie, I must insist that you please add Joe Torrey to your poll question. Okay. And then second, um, Dan, did you say the Radio Hall of Fame where your trophy is located? Is that in Winston-Salem, North Carolina? No, that's not the Radio Hall of Fame. That's in Chicago. That's the uh, Sports Broadcasting, Sportscasting Hall of Fame is in uh, North Carolina. Thank you, Nick, for the phone call. Yeah, I mean, Joe Torrey's not the – he won. But I think people look at it and said, well, he won with that lineup. You should win with that lineup. I don't know if that's fair or not. Um, but, you know, Joe Torrey's a Hall of Famer. But if he's not on the list here of uh, great coaches, whose career would you want? Shashevsky's Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Joe Torrey. I don't think I would take Joe Torrey over those other coaches I just mentioned. But still, a Hall of Fame coach. And he did it with the Yankees. I got a suggestion for Major League Baseball. It's a little out there, and I'll have that for you coming up top of the hour. And Aaron Rodgers' future will have a report coming up. One more item as we close out Hour 1, M-Drive Start. That's what you do. You start your day with M-Drive Start. It's a big part of my day, the daily dose of protein and nutrition. You maybe want to have a smoothie in the morning, packed with seven clinically tested ingredients, six premium proteins. It boosts energy, strength, reduces stress, so you can keep up with your busy day no matter what your age is. Find it at mdrivedan.com. Get it delivered right to your door. There's free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, so nothing to lose. It's time to focus on your health. If you have that New Year's resolution that you've already put to the side, you got a new one. Starting in March, M-Drive Start. Energy, strength, and drive you need to get more done every single day. Once again, go to mdrivedan.com. You get it delivered right to your home. They offer free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee, so nothing to lose. Don't let age beat you. It's a good way to start a New Year's resolution, a new New Year's resolution. Visit mdrivedan.com.